Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second in time on the first double play. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Here's what we'll have for you. We're going to talk uh, trade with Angela Hoffman, co-executive director of Farmers for Free Trade. Are we getting closer to a USMCA vote or not? Depends on who you talk to. We'll get some perspective on that. We're going to talk markets with Rich Morrison with Diversified Services. And we're going to talk harvest. We'll go to... Illinois, around the Quad Cities area, David Erickson will give us a report. How much do uh, farmers in his area have done? How much is still to do with the uh, wintry weather that has hit much of the country here this week? So we'll get an update a little bit later. But right now, we're going to start the program off today with our good friend from DTN, Todd Neely. Todd, thanks for joining us. House and Senate back in session today. We know there's a lot of things going on uh, with the impeachment situation, but uh, there's also some important work that needs to get done on on spending bills, right? Uh, what are you hearing on that? Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me. Um, well, at this point, I think one of the things that we're keeping an eye on is the possibility of the extension of the biodiesel tax credit. Um, there's been some talk, uh, you know, there was some legislation offered on that uh, to do a two-year extension. Um, I don't know where we stand on that bill at the moment, but one of the things that uh, we're seeing now with the discussion about the, the funding of the government and, and the deadline approaching, I think it's November 21, um, there's some thought that possibly if there's any discussion on the biodiesel tax credit that it's going to be into the middle of December uh, if there's any kind of an extension. And so uh, it sounds like, though, there's going to be some sort of a stopgap measure coming up uh, in Congress to vote on keeping the government open so that they can deal with some of the larger funding uh, questions that are ongoing. Uh, but that's one of the things we're following at the moment is trying to figure out what's going to happen to the biodiesel tax credit. Because, as you know, um, this industry is really in dire need of having that credit. It's one of those things that's really kept uh, biodiesel going, uh, you know, since the RFS came to be. Biodiesel industry updating that situation today. We will have... Um the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, Don L. Rehagen, on with us tomorrow to talk about that. And no surprise, uh, Congress is going to probably pass, as you said, uh, another stopgap measure, kick the can down the road a little bit longer until they can try to work out something right. on the spending bill. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, You know, there's some bigger questions. You know, one of the things that's coming up as well is uh, a lot of talk about defense spending. And as you know, in the House and uh, Congress in general, there's a, there's a big split um, you know, down party lines about uh, future funding the military. And so that's going to be one of the bigger questions that's going to be dealt with is in terms of uh, the longer term into the 2020 uh, time frame. And so um, it's, you, you kind of hope getting to this point, uh, you know, industry's done a lot of work in trying to get this biodiesel tax credit up and rolling. There's been some really good bipartisan support for it, uh, but you just hope it doesn't get lost in the mix somewhere. Maybe some good news for wheat growers. There is an agreement that's been long in the making that uh, has Brazil getting ready to implement a TRQ, a tariff rate quota, which basically allows an increase in duty-free wheat going into Brazil. This could open up a market for U.S. wheat growers. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, what the Brazilians are talking about is a TRQ that uh, would allow up to 750,000 metric tons um, and you know, as you know, uh, wheat's had a real difficult time uh, in the past decade. Uh, definitely, any kind of an export market that, that can get going would be a huge deal. Um, you know, the industry itself, Wheat Associates and other people have been really working on trying to open up that market. Um, and if this holds, if this holds pat, that is definitely great news. 
Still no China deal. We still wait on that. But uh, USDA is planning to release another round or tranche, as they call them, of uh, market facilitation program payments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Mike, we've we've seen two rounds of it so far, and the payments have totaled over $16 billion and involving about a million and a half producers. Um, not really sure what direction USDA is going in terms of the numbers at this point, but it seems like uh, it's something that, you know, we may see yet at the end of November or early December. It's really kind of hard to say. Uh, as Secretary Purdue uh, was asked about this last week, uh, and he basically didn't give away too much, but saying that it's definitely coming. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to see that. At least we're at a point now where, uh, you know, there's more encouragement, more op- you know, op- optimism out there about a possible trade agreement with China. And so maybe, um, you know, maybe these payments won't be necessary if that, uh, you know, if that can get done here soon. Secretary Purdue will, speaking, will be speaking this week at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City. So we, we may hear more from him on that at that time. Um, let's also look at USMCA. You hear some say we're getting pretty close to maybe getting something done on it this year. You talk to others or hear from others, and it sounds more like it'll be pushed into next year. What are you uh, What are you hearing? Well, the only thing I've heard is, uh, you know, we've we've heard a lot from uh, Chairman Colin Peterson in the House on the House Ag Committee. Uh, he had made a comment the other day that uh, he believes Nancy Pelosi, the the House leader uh, for the Democrats, is going to probably uh, fast track this thing for a vote. Uh, you know, there was talk that it could be very soon, but um, as you know, with all the talk, impeachment, and, and all the stuff that we're hearing about in the House, um, there's really not a clear path at the moment or a clear, you know, indication about what's really going to happen. But, um, you know, as we talked about before, this has a wide support, bipartisan support, and I think, um, you know, moving this for a quick vote is still a possibility. I, I do know that, uh, you know, the House House Democrats obviously see this as an important issue as well and so i think um, you know we i i wouldn't be surprised either way at this point but uh, i think we're still hopeful for a fast track vote on that but even if their plan is to not take it up this year they being the uh house democrats why would they come out and say that i mean politically they're better off saying making it sound like it's on track you know even if they're not planning on doing it yeah, absolutely, and I and I think you know that's sometimes you don't always get the quick answers or the or the or the you know the full details. But I think just the fact that it's it's under discussion among Democrats, even those on the House Ag Committee, I think that's kind of an, a, a pretty solid indicator that um, you know there's a series that there's a, there are a number of Democrats pushing to get this done as well. And so uh, when you see that kind of push, uh, I I think it, it's good reason to be hopeful. So we shall see. You mentioned Colin Peterson. Big question around whether he's going to run for re-election or not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's still kind of batting that around. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either way. You know, Colin Colin's been a real go-getter uh, in the House for for a lot of years. A big voice in agriculture, and I think uh, it's safe to say that without his voice in the House, I, I think ag would be probably not in a great position. But uh, It'll be interesting. I, I think he. Uh, I think he's probably still got some gas left in the tank, but he's certainly uh, already begun the process of moving on. You know, he's put his house up for sale and everything in D.C. And so it's hard to say, but uh, he definitely has been a big, uh, a big voice for agriculture. He would be missed. He's one of the few Absolutely. Uh, in Congress willing to reach across the aisle and you know really work on these things in a bipartisan way. And uh, he's needed. Uh, his needed leadership has been critical, you know, over the years, as you said, and he would very much be missed if he's not there. All right. Good to talk with you, Todd. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, too, Mike. Take care. Todd Neely with DTN. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You never settle for less. Neither does your FS crop specialist. That's why his agronomic plan for your farm includes a recommendation to plant FS Envision seed corn. Because Envision was developed to ensure optimum performance in your soil. Engineered with elite genetics and advanced traits, Envision is challenging the status quo by delivering superior yields and higher returns. 
Talk to your FS crop specialist today and learn more about why FS Envision Seed is cropping up everywhere. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. With Make-A-Wish, the impossible becomes possible. A girl battling cancer can become a race car driver battling the course. The boy showing all the nurses his fire trucks can take the helm of a real one. Wishes can give kids with critical illnesses the strength to keep fighting, get better, and grow up. Where there's a wish, there's a way. Wishes need you. Visit Make-A-Wish at wish.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. Will hemp producers be eligible for USDA programs, including insurance? Hemp producers are eligible for crop insurance. It would only be eligible, at least right now, for the 2020 growing year under the whole farm revenue protection plan. You know, you can grow multiple crops under that. There is no individual crop uh, insurance product for hemp yet. That's one that hopefully RMA, uh, working with private stakeholders, will be able to develop a tool over time. But I got to say, with the risk with this crop, if you produce a crop that becomes a hot crop over that 0.3% THC level, it is not an insurable covered loss under crop insurance. Even if weather is the reason, even if you do all your management practices correctly, if it becomes a hot crop, you do not get coverage under crop insurance, and it's in DEA's ballpark at that point. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction. Plus, the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. I want to just mention again that coming up uh, Thursday and Friday of this week, I will be in Kansas City for the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. We look forward to seeing our not only our farm broadcasting friends from around the country, but we'll also be talking with a lot of ag leaders who will be in Kansas City this week, and we'll have a chance to get caught up on a number of topics and uh, different issues that we uh, have been covering. And so always look forward to getting together with folks in Kansas City each year for the NAFB convention. So I'll be there Thursday and uh, Friday. Well, we were talking earlier about the the spending bills. Both chambers of Congress are back in Washington, D.C. in session today. The top four House and Senate appropriators are set to meet tonight to uh, come up with a plan, including on how to reach an agreement to work on defense and domestic spending bills among the 12 appropriation bills. The House is expected to pass another Uh, short-term stopgap, if you will, measure, uh, continuing resolution, as they call it. Uh, That seems to be the way they are are heading. Todd Neely mentioned earlier that the biodiesel industry is very much uh, 
focusing still on getting a tax extenders package. They need that biodiesel tax credit. Uh, they're holding a, an event today, and uh, we'll get an update on that uh, tomorrow when we talk with the National Biodiesel Board about how they see what is there a good path forward to maybe getting that tax extenders package done uh, this year. Well, joining us now is Rich Morrison, uh, analyst for Diversified Services. Rich, good to talk with you again. Wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, what'd you think of uh, Friday's USDA numbers? Um, you know, no real surprises, I guess. Uh, you know, I think that going into the report, I was looking at corn demand as probably the most important set of numbers that we were going to look at there. Uh, you know, I think most of the eyes were on production and uh, kind of fell in line with what the trade was expecting to see a cut in the corn yields and corn production number. But to me, going forward, the demand is the big story. And, and the fact that USDA took 100 million bushels out of demand and dropped it below 14 billion uh, for the first time, I believe, since uh, in five or six years, that was really disheartening, I think. And, and it's continued to weigh on the corn market a little bit since then. Uh, of course, <laughs> Friday was kind of an unusual day. The, the numbers didn't come out uh, as expected, not only what people were predicting, but just the fact they really did not come out as expected because of a technical glitch. Yeah, that was really odd. And uh, kind of curious to hear uh, more explanation on some of that. But uh, it was also odd that the corn market uh, did respond uh, a little bit right after 11 o'clock, uh, even though we didn't have any numbers. So kind of curious uh, all of that but uh, at the end of the day it wasn't a an earth-moving report and so things kind of settled down well speaking of settling down what do you see the markets doing now as we uh, make our way through november i think we're in a in a pretty flat market uh you know we've got a few factors still to to trade i think one is the basis uh we're, we're continuing to see some phenomenal basis numbers trade in the eastern corn belt and we knew that it was going to be, uh, you know, we saw some of this back in July, maybe a, a, a prelude to what we're seeing now, but uh, some of the areas in Ohio, Indiana that uh, were going to be a corn deficit area uh, have really had to bid up to try to keep corn moving, uh, and that's extended on into Illinois uh, and then even a little bit into the western corn belt. So that's probably the biggest story we've got right now. Uh, but the futures, and in fact, basis is probably more volatile than the futures market and probably will continue to be here uh, maybe the next couple of months. But I, I think it's going to be difficult to really rally corn sharply uh, unless we see a, a South American weather issue or something. Uh, just the fact that we've got the demand pressed down like it is. So we need a trade deal. Uh, maybe it's USMCA getting signed. Maybe it would be a China trade deal getting signed in which they would maybe buy some feed grains, something like that, uh, but something uh, of that nature to give us a spark. Talking with Rich Morrison with Diversified Services. Rich, what's your assessment of the potential of a really big boom in the for the for the pork market? I mean, it, the, this growing demand in China and other parts of the world for protein, uh, it, it seems if that door is opened, it could really, uh, uh, you know, bring about expansion, here in the U.S., which would mean, of course, greater demand for feed grains. Uh, what do you see as the potential of this? I, I think it's potentially very big, uh, and, and I've suggested a, for the last couple of months that if I wanted to be long any market, it would be hogs right now, uh, you know, just because of the demand and the potential for demand, uh, the potential for immediate demand. I, I think that's the big story, and I, I know I've read stories that people don't think that the uh, swine fever issue in China could get under control till maybe 2022, 2023. Uh, certainly those people are going to need to eat. I, I know that the Chinese over the last couple of weeks have been buying meat from France uh, and other European countries. They've been, they've been shopping around, let's just say that. So uh, poultry markets have firmed up a little bit around the world. So I, I still think this pork uh, market could have some fire to it. And uh, we're, we're seeing a little bounce here this morning. But I, I think what's also important on the futures market is we're starting to see the spread tightening uh, that December is gaining on the February contract. And right now, uh, December is still trading at a huge discount to February uh, because of supplies. But the fact that that, that spread is starting to narrow kind of tells me that uh, 
you know, maybe there's some nearby demand that, that, that needs to be met, and uh, that, to me, is a positive sign for this market. Is it enough of a signal to uh, spark expansion here in the U.S.? Well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, probably not in the eastern Corn Belt, where basis levels are 80, 90 over right now, but uh, in some spots. But uh, uh, certainly in the west, uh, you know, I, I would tend to think that there could be some, uh, some expansion opportunities. So I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out, especially if we think it might be a, a three- to four-year uh, uh, potential market here for us. Uh, news about the Brazil and uh, their uh, TRQ which, again, is a, uh, a tariff rate quota, and they're going to implement this plan that would allow 750,000 metric tons of wheat to be imported duty-free from countries outside uh, of their agreement with Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay. So that could open the door for U.S. wheat sales. Could a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if the market's too excited or not, but it, it could. Uh, we're... Our, from a proximity standpoint, I would just tend to think that the U.S. is as competitive as anyone is, so it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, we got to get uh, we got to get out of this wheat uh, channel that we're locked in to right now, where we're just continuing to carry over a billion plus bushels of wheat, and so anything that could potentially push us below that magical billion number would be a, a positive, I think, for this wheat market. Finally, Rich, I want to get more of your thoughts on, on this basis situation. You've talked about it. We've talked about it with other people. It's kind of an interesting dynamic going on in the countryside, this uh, push and pull as farmers harvest and store grain and hold on to it and wait for and hope for better prices. But yet in certain situations uh, where that grain is needed, there are uh, some bidding up to get it. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Well, I, you know, at some point, uh, you know, the, the numbers – are large enough from a stock standpoint nationally that, that we're going to have enough corn this year. And so I, I guess if I'm a producer and I have corn to sell and I have an opportunity to lock in basis that's historically uh, above normal, uh, I think I would want to take advantage of it right now. And even if you don't like the futures market price, uh, you know, you can always set it on a basis contract and, and try to price it later. Uh, or sell the grain by a call, something like that. There's different ways to attack the market, but certainly it's an opportunity that you'd want to take advantage of if you can. And I know we've had quite a few people in the in the eastern belt that have been talking, you know, the last couple of weeks about moving all their corn off the farm, moving it to the elevator at historically uh, strong basis levels, and it makes a lot of sense to do that from the farmer standpoint. That seems to be the big opportunity right now, doesn't it? It is. I, you know, from a future standpoint, I'm not too excited. Uh, uh, I've been you know, believing, I think, that March corn probably has an opportunity to trade back in the 4 to 410 range. Uh, so if that's the case, you could set a basis right now. And, and the one thing I would encourage folks to do is put offers in, though, to price those basis contracts. Uh, you know, we don't want to get into a situation year after year where you roll basis contracts forward, hoping and waiting and uh, so I would put an offer in at least to get them priced at a certain level. And if it hits, great. If, if not, well, then we'll go to plan B. But, uh, but certainly you want to be proactive with those, not just sell it, deliver it, and then, or put on basis and deliver it, and then wait and see what happens. I'd, I'd at least lock in some sort of a number. All right, Rich, good to talk with you. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Mike. Rich Morrison with Diversified Services joining us here on AOA. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Dale Moore, Executive Vice President of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dale, there is a bipartisan ag labor reform bill that's been introduced. Why has Farm Bureau not endorsed it yet, or will you, or where are you at in that process? 
Well, Mike, our board has met a couple of times and gone through this bill in in you know very very careful detail to understand uh, everything that it represents. There are some things in that that are positive, namely uh, one thing that we've heard from all over the country is uh, this process that would provide a, a pathway to legal status for the current workforce because we know uh, the data suggests that there are a number of workers in a lot of different industry sectors who are in the United States that may not uh, have the documentation necessary and so forth. So we feel like that that part of the bill you know, is a step in the right direction and, and relatively consistent with our grassroots policy. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Time now for a market check on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Corn futures have been weighed down by a lack of demand. Export projections in the WASDE report on Friday 1.85 billion bushels, the lowest level since 2012-2013. An hour into the day on this Tuesday, bouncing a bit in corn. December up a penny and a half at 374 and three quarters. In soybean futures, the January contract is up three quarters of a cent. 917 and a half. We'll see harvest progress numbers from USDA later on this afternoon. In the wheat futures, we are trending higher once again in Kansas City. December up seven cents at four twenty-nine and three quarters. Chicago wheat December up three and a half, five oh nine and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat steady to a fraction higher. December up three quarters of a cent at five sixteen. For livestock at the Merck, lean hog futures backpedaling yesterday. We are gaining ground on a turnaround Tuesday. December lean hogs up a dollar fifty-five, sixty-four eighty-five. Pork cutouts rose on Monday. The marketplace, though, continues to struggle with large supplies. Pork production for 2019 now forecast at a record of 27.62 billion pounds. In live cattle futures, December down 22 at 119.65. February down 30 at 125.37. Cash cattle, some early asking prices being picked up around 118 on a live basis in the south. Feeder cattle, January contract, 12 cents higher, 147.25. The Dow up 64, S&P up 12, NASDAQ up 31, crude oil up 42 cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. One of many issues to be resolved in Washington, D.C. remains to be USMCA, whether or not it will get done this year. Will it come up for a vote this year or not? A group that has uh, worked all year uh, 
going mile after mile across the country to promote USMCA as Farmers for Free Trade. The co-executive director of Farmers for Free Trade, Angela Hoffman, joins us now. Angela, we're going to see a fruition of your efforts uh, this year in a vote, you think? Well, good morning, Mike. And I and I tell you, we, we've been on that motorcade for trade, about 100 stops in 30 states and across the country. And, and we're feeling optimistic. Um, feels like the votes are there. Members of Congress are ready to go. I think it's just a matter of timing right now. Um, you know, there is there is definitely an effort to get this done before Christmas and going into the new year. And again, we're we're optimistic. I think that members are, are ready to go. It's just about getting this thing scheduled and getting it over the goal line. The impeachment proceedings, of course, a big cloud over everything. Really sucks a lot of oxygen out of the uh, out of the room. But you've also got the the spending bills are trying to work on it. Those are those are heavy lifts right there. Are you worried about it just being too much to get done in now a short period of time in this calendar year? Well, I think the difference here is that this has wide bipartisan support. So you know, apart from just the timing of the issue. There should be little in the way of, of getting this done. The you know, members on both sides of the aisle are there. They recognize how important it is for their farmers, for their small towns, for their communities. And I think there is a general willingness to try to get this done as a priority. U.S. unions have expressed some concerns. And then we heard some key Democrats kind of uh, follow suit once uh, the unions spoke out. And they're talking about some things in Mexico and whether or not they're seeing a commitment by Mexico on labor issues and things. Uh, how big of an issue is that, and how how much more is there due to resolve that? Well, I think what we're hearing in general is that the labor issues have been resolved. I mean, let's keep in mind that this agreement made significant progress on the labor front, including the increase in minimum wage and regular re- regulatory reform in Mexico. Um Again, I think the other issues, the economic, the timeliness, the need to stabilize North America in the context of what's even happening in China trade talks, probably will make this an issue that is not as critical as getting the deal done and getting the North American marketplace stabilized. Can't make, I mean, you can't. If a lot of changes are made to it, though, then you've got to go back and get uh, Mexico and Canada to approve, sign off on those changes. So if they're if they're very much or if they're significant changes, then you kind of risk starting this over again, don't you? Right. And we're, we're to the point where, again, Canada and Mexico have ratified. We're down to the final deal. Um, you know, the good thing about a trade agreement is they can continue to be approved upon. So if there are some outstanding issues that are, you know, small but not derailer, you can continue to have those dialogues within the context of the trade agreement with your trading partners. We're talking with Angela Hoffman with Farmers for Free Trade. Uh, some have said, well, if the votes are there and if we're this close and here we are now into November, why hasn't the administration sent the final paperwork? Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I think they've been knocking out those final details. But generally speaking, what we've heard from both sides of the aisles, this feels pretty much ready to go. That said, uh, if you have a member of Congress, this is the time to put your foot on the gas, pop into the office, send a letter, let them know that the time is everything so we can get this done. No time to sort of stand back and wait. It's time to do the full court push. If it got pushed into next year, how much harder does it get to pass it then? Well, the reality is we go into next year, everything becomes a political football. And keep in mind, I think we still you know, run the risk of potentially withdrawing from the underlying agreement, the original NAFTA. So nobody really wants to see that scenario play out. We want to see something that's done on a strong bipartisan basis. It's economically relevant, viable, and quite frankly, it's necessary right now to stabilize these markets while we have these other trade agreements going on. So, Mike, I would say, again, the big push is to get it done this fall as soon as possible, preferably this month or early next month at the latest. President Trump has made it no secret at all. He's been very public all along about his dislike for NAFTA. So if if this if USMCA does not pass, it's not a it's not a scenario that's hard to imagine where he would follow through with his uh, threat to pull out of NAFTA, and that would be a huge concern for agriculture. It would be a huge concern. And remember, if we go pre-NAFTA. Those great egg exports to Canada, Mexico, are number one, number two trading partners. You could have reinstated tariffs between you know 15 and 70 percent. We do not want to go back to the 70s and pre-NAFTA. That would be absolutely devastating for the market.
Well, we mentioned your your motorcade uh, throughout the year. Uh, you had a big event in Washington D.C. Are you as farmers for free trade planning anything else here? Is a final push at the end of the year to get uh, a vote on USMCA? Well, we are continuing to, again, double down in our markets. We're really encouraging farmers and ranchers to pick up the phone, drop into their, their local um, offices for their congressmen, their senators, really continue to have the push. I think we're going to, again, want to see this get over the goal line very soon. We don't have Ruth, the RV, anymore. She, she definitely was a, a road warrior, but we are doing a number of in-state events. We'll be at a number of um, farm conventions over the course of the next three weeks, and we'll continue to engage and power and and activate farmers all across the country. Meanwhile, I know you're watching closely, too, the the trade talks with China. We are. You know, we've been cautiously optimistic about this phase one deal, but in the meantime, we still have all these tariffs. And look at these retaliatory tariffs. We're talking $10 billion since the trade war started on U.S. exports to China, $1 billion since September. Disproportionately, those tariffs have impacted American agriculture. So, when I say cautiously optimistic, we've, we've heard that you know, phase one could have some good news for agriculture, but that would certainly be the most uh, beneficial for ag if it also included a rollback of those export tariffs. And President Trump's still saying that he's not agreed to that yet, so we continue to wait on that. And meanwhile, the, the, the announced U.S.-Japan deal still has to be approved in Japan. What are you hearing there? Again, we're, we're optimistic about the U.S.-Japan deal. The first stage of that deal was very much uh, a lot of what we had sort of incorporated in the, the TPP with some improvements, so a good step forward. And keep in mind those other TPP partners already have first bite at the market, so not having that phase one would have put us on a further back, back foot. It was one of our most important trading partners in addition to China and the region with Japan. You know, phase two is going to be really important because, as we all know, Japan is a little bit notorious about those sanitary, phytosanitary barriers. The non-tariff barriers really make um, getting products into the market so difficult. So we'd love to see phase one done and quickly get on to phase two. You know, all this effort, it's a lot of work to kind of hopefully get an improvement, but to basically maintain what we had. I mean, if, if the Japan deal basically gets us what we would have had in TPP and USMCA with some improvements could at least maintain what we have with NAFTA and then with China, we hope it's better, but we want to at least get back to where we were. It's, I mean, this is a lot of work to kind of be basically at least where we were before all this started. Well, that's right. And, and unfortunately, in a trade war, agriculture always pays the heaviest price and the penalty for issues that have Probably nothing to do with agriculture. Um, you know, just getting it back to normal, whether it's the USMCA and NAFTA, you know, solidification, if it's getting China back on the right foot, it's keeping Japan open. Don't forget, too, we've got those talks with the Europeans going on, and we want to make sure that any deal with Europe includes agriculture. It's a critical market. So, yes, I think this has been a year of sort of maintaining our market, regaining those markets, and then moving forward, we're going to have to press pretty darn hard for new market access to, to make up for those losses. You know, sometimes I hear people say how important are trade deals and why so much attention paid to them. Uh, I think what we've seen this last year and a half, we have been reminded of how important these these uh, trade agreements are. Absolutely. And I think given that there are so many categories and associations and organizations that are impacted, you know, these trade wars even have an impact on NGOs. And how, when I say NGOs, these are nonprofits. So whether you're donating baby cribs or eyeglasses or bicycles for the police department, I mean, it has had ramifications that have far exceeded just the consumers, the farmers, the manufacturers. You mentioned trade talks with the European Union. Those are really bumpy, <laughs> and we're still wondering how that's going to play out. Uh, you meant, you talked about agriculture. The Europe, we can't even get the European Union to, to agree fully to have agriculture part of those talks. Well, I mean, as you know, it's been decades trying to open the European market to our products. Um, you know, whether the, and a lot of that falls in that sanitary, phytosanitary, or some of the other more creative means they have to limiting their markets. But it's also important because while we're sitting on sidelines in some of these trade negotiations, the Europeans are cutting deals around the world, and they're setting the terms and standards. So not only is it important to be negotiating with Europe, but it's also important to be negotiating in those countries where we don't want the Europeans setting the standards for our market access in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, these countries are moving on with these trade deals uh, with or without us, so hopefully we'll be uh, 
but we can get good deals as well. Well, Angela, thank you very much. I know it's been quite a year. We hope to see a, a good outcome here before the year is over and get that vote and passage of USMCA. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for everyone being uh, involved. All right. Angela Hoffman, co-executive director of Farmers for Free Trade. So we wait to see. Will they? Will Congress vote on USMCA yet this year? My prediction all along has been, yeah, pretty close to their when they take their uh, holiday break at Christmas time. So I think it be might get pushed all the way back to then and get it done before they leave town. We'll see. But uh, very important to get it done this year. A lot at stake, uh, especially for agriculture in uh, that in these trade talks. All right, coming up next, trying to get harvest done. We'll check in with. David Erickson, he farms uh, in Illinois around the Quad Cities. How much do they have done in that area, and how has it gone so far? We're going to talk it over with David Erickson, Illinois farmer, up next here on AOA. Stay with us. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking... Call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, <clears throat> me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. 
Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Harvest 2019 is over for some, but continues for others. Let's check in in Illinois, in the Quad Cities area. David Erickson is with us. All right, David, how much do you have done? Uh, uh, we got our soybeans harvested, uh, Mike. We finished up uh, last week with those. Uh, we still got, uh, oh, about a third, not quite, of our corn acres to go. Um, so making good progress, and I, I remind people we really didn't get a very good early start uh, due to late planting. We didn't harvest until October 7th uh, was the first field of corn that we started on. Um, so we had about 17 days or parts of 17 days we harvested in October and then uh, then had a little break there for our Halloween snow and then uh, back in the field for a good solid uh, six days. So really haven't put in enough days to have harvest done yet, um, even though the calendar says maybe we should have. How much snow did you get this week? Oh, it looks like uh, two to three inches uh, range. Um, actually, it, it, it blew around less uh, than our Halloween snow, So, uh, and, but it's going to maybe stay around longer because of the colder temperatures. So, yeah, single digits this morning here, Mike, four. Four degrees there at uh, daybreak here at uh, Altona. So cool. Yeah, you, you. So you're not done with harvest yet, but you've already been through two snows. So that it's been that kind of a year. <laughs> yeah, it's been that kind of year. So yeah, we. Um, you know, I, I think everybody's attitude is pretty good around here. You know, obviously people wish they were done and could have avoided the, the snow here, uh, but uh, for the most part. Yields are hanging in there, um, pretty respectable, you know, not record-setting by any means, some of them below average, but certainly given the, the weather that we faced, uh, I think most people are pretty pleased with what they've come with. Considering the type of year it's been and the challenges and the way it looked early on, then would you say pleasantly surprised with the yields? Yeah, I, I think pleasantly surprised. I mean, I think... Uh, the variability in soybean yields was much more uh, uh, prevalent than what people thought, I guess. Uh, you know, ranges from uh, the low 50s to the upper 60s, maybe a few higher than that. And um, that basically based on, I'm not sure what, Mike, <laughs> um, because April planted beans, May planted beans, June planted beans all seem to have some of that variability to it. Uh, corn as well. Uh, some variability, but I would say less variability in the corn, uh, irregardless of the planting date, just maybe some more moisture uh, still carrying into that June planted corn. How has the corn been standing? What about uh, stock quality uh, as you wait to get out there and finish it up? Right. 
Yeah, overall good, Mike. Although, I mean, there's a few fields and a few areas where, if, you know, you caught a one of those microburst storms uh, that uh, there when we were getting some heavier rains there in that uh, August-September period uh, pushed some of those plants, uh, even some some uh, late June and, and early July ones that tilted some plants. But uh, overall, I'd say standability is, is pretty good. Um, I think people identified fields that were a problem and kind of went and got those as they could. Talking with Illinois farmer David Erickson. He farms between the Quad Cities and Peoria, Illinois. Uh, how much rain have you had? Have you, have you totaled it up this year, David, and, and where that compares to uh say last year even or an average year yeah well we're over 40 inches um and you know when you add in the snow we're probably approaching 45 inches of um of moisture for the since the first of the year which is you know um well above average uh, but um i don't know mike that the amount of rain has been the problem it's been the timing Mm-hmm. and the larger uh, rain events that maybe cause some more problems. So don't know that 40, 45 inches of rain is too much. It's just when it comes in three-inch uh, rains at a time uh, when you're trying to plant or it comes in, you know, three inches of snow when you're trying to harvest that uh, it seems a little bit um, excessive, I guess. There have been concerns about a lot of wet grain going into storage. Uh, what about your area? Uh, yes, to some degree, and, and actually, you know, some people now are being hit by this uh, LP gas uh, shortage. I don't know if the gas is of shortage or the transportation uh, logistics are doing it, but uh, that that's held some people up uh, as well, and that there are even people with contracted LP uh, amounts that haven't been able to get that in. That's kind of slowed things down. Uh, maybe put a little bit more pressure on local elevators. Uh, where they run on natural gas. We're fortunate here at our farm uh, that we're on a natural gas line and are, are able to do that. But uh, hearing more and more stories about LP gas, you know, a little bit of a shortage. I think as far as managing the, the wetter crop, it's been manageable because it, it hasn't all been wet. Mike, part of it, you know, uh, was planted in April, some of it in May, some of it in June. And I think it's let people kind of manage the moisture uh, through harvest. Well, I hope the combine heater works and that you get things done here soon. I'm sure uh, you've heard from uh, uh, our mutual friend about how much fall field work he's been able to get done while you're still trying to get harvest done, probably. Yeah, and I I, mentioned, I have, Mike. <laughs> and I did mention uh, to you when we talked earlier that, uh, you know, I do think uh, ag retailers and farmers have gotten really into the mode of trying to get some fall work done here where they were a little bit, Lacks at starting last fall and then uh, weren't able to get much done. There's been a quicker and a, a, a better attempt to get stuff done this fall. So a lot of fall fertilizer going on and uh, both nitrogen and dry fertilizer and, and plenty of lime going on. So yeah, it's not all done, but they're making good progress on it. Yep. All right, David, good to talk with you and uh, wish you the best for the rest of your harvest. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Illinois farmer. David Erickson. With that, we'll wrap it up for today. Coming up tomorrow, the latest on the push to get a tax extenders package and how important that is for the biodiesel industry to get that biodiesel tax credit. And uh, we'll also take a look at this uh, growing demand for protein worldwide and what that means for U.S. pork producers and uh, the opportunities that could lie ahead. That and more tomorrow here on AOA. Hope you'll join us. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.